Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 57 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, we're live, we're 13 minutes late, but it's all good. How are things, my man? Things are all right. For those of you who were watching on Twitter, you may have noticed that I tweeted that we would be a little bit late, thanks in large part to a little thing called Windows Updates. Um, yeah. This is, but it's I all good. We're here now. We're here discover, now. I should not come home and discover that my computer's being updated and we will be unable to stream for a period of time because of that. But, but it's all good, man, because 13 minutes, we are worth every second of the wait. People are here. We're having a good time. It's all good. How, other than the Windows update, how is life? Um, oh, life is good. Uh, it's been, you know, one of the things that I love about living in the high desert is that you get snowfall, it gets cold, and then it warms up. It is not uncommon to see a temperature swing of, I don't know, 50 degrees, um, even sometimes during the course of from day to night, a 50 degree Fahrenheit swing of temperatures, um, you know, and that's fantastic. I, I really enjoy that that's a thing. So I, I love the climate of the high desert for that reason. But yeah, it's been beautiful weather, even with some snowfall and some other things. But, uh, but Dude, yeah, just here in, having here a good time over here. Illinois, things are just freezing, man. We don't have mm-hmm. good weather here. It was 40 degrees this weekend, and we thought that was hot, man. I smoked some meat this weekend because it was warm enough to finally do it, even though there was still snow on the ground. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm a little bit jealous of the weather that you have in that high desert. But uh, anything else? Uh, anything else interesting? Anything fascinating? Any funny stories you want to share with the people? Welcome to the stream, those of you who are just getting here. Um, yeah, no, sadly, I don't really have much in the way to share. It's just been a pretty normal week. Um, oh, I did have one. All right. So I probably shouldn't tell this, but, uh, where I work, uh, um, we had somebody drive into a bank of snow with their, with their vehicle, you know, like uh, they drove into a bank of snow the the temperatures are below freezing and i don't know if you noticed this if you knew this mr nice guy but when temperatures are below freezing water gets hard i did not know that the more you, you know okay good the more well uh, you this know. is a psa to all of you out there when temperatures are below freezing water can tend to get hard um snow as well because snow is 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 water so um they drove into this bank of snow got themselves uh high centered and unable to get uh out of the snow i know where this is going and caused some damage to their vehicle and um the person kind of had the uh kind of had the gall to ask about if the business's insurance was going to take care of them having driven and damaged their car by driving into something. And it's just one of those things where it's just like, hey, if you uh, if you run into something, if you run into an inanimate object and do damage to your car, um, no, no, there's, 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 it's not. It's I not see. Here's what I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say they drove into some water or something, uh-huh. and then because it got so cold, they left their car there and it froze in the water. That's where my imagination went. Mm. I don't know why, but that's what I thought you were gonna say. Like they crashed, couldn't get the car out. They said, "You know what? Let's get it later." And they came back the next day, and it was frozen in time. Frozen in time. Nope. Sadly, no. Although that would have been that would have been pretty cool too. It would have been a cooler ending to the story. Not that your end wasn't cool, but my imagination was running away. Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe this isn't an end. Maybe the person comes back irate in a few days and wants to sue us. Who knows? But uh, but it's just it's just kind of funny. So remember, everybody, if it is below freezing, whatever that means in your uh, imperial or sen- or uh, or SI units, just remember, water gets hard. And on that note, I say we do what we do best and hop right into the gaming news, Mac. What Let's do, you think, do it, man? Mr. Nice Guy. Welcome to episode number 57, y'all. We are 57% of the way to 100 episodes. 
And someone's like in the chat spoiling news stories. You know what we should do when people come in here and they say the biggest news story of the week is such and such a thing? We should not read that news story. But he's right. It is the biggest news story of the week. And it's also my first news story of the week. And here it is from uh, from GameSpot. Uh, it says, oh boy, and I'm clicking on ads accidentally. It's uh, it's messing up. Everything is wrong today. What is going on in the world? The government is shut down. I'm saying random stuff to stall till I get this pulled up. On GameInformer.com, it says, a significant change is coming to Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass with the announcement that subscribers will be able to access Microsoft Studios' Xbox One exclusive titles on their release date. This is a big deal. The first new release to be included in the up is the upcoming Sea of Thieves, which is coming in March. Other games, including State of Decay 2 and Crackdown 3, will be part of the Game Pass lineup too. Phil Spencer revealed this news on Major Nelson's blog, where he alluded to upcoming and unannounced entries in the Halo, Forza, and Gears of War series, which will also be included in the Game Pass. Spencer uh, also outlined details about a new Game Pass subscription card, a six-month subscription to the service, which includes complete access to more than 100 games, will be priced at $59.99. So, Mac, this is a pretty big deal, man. Effectively, any game that comes out for the Xbox that is exclusive will be included in this Games Pass. Now, you're probably thinking, people could just go buy the game. If they want to buy Halo, they can buy Halo. If they want to buy Gears of War, they can buy Gears of War. Or... They can just pay $10 a month for this Games Pass that allows them to download the game and play it for free. Now, in the chat, we already have people hypothesizing. Uh, that means analyzing and making an educated guess that, uh, that it means that the GameStop is going to die and that physical media in console gaming is going to die. Mac, do you think this is true? Is, is digital going to take over? Well, let me just ask you this, Mr. Nice Guy. Have we had any indication in the past that current-gen console um, console makers have wanted physical media to go by the wayside? Have we had any indication? Mm-hmm. Have they ever I, I think... done anything in announcements or anything like that that made us think that they uh, didn't want physical media to be a thing? That um, maybe sure a they... lot of people got upset about with regard to Microsoft, and they backtracked on, you know, uh, yeah, before yeah, yeah. the release so, of said console. Uh, so, for example, saying that you can't share games between consoles, right? Saying that if you put a disc into one console, that the disc will only work on that console. I assume that's what you're alluding to, Mac. Is that mm -hmm. is that it? Yeah. Exactly. And that's, I, I feel like, especially when we're talking about Microsoft here, I think this is a rather calculated move that they don't that they think is going to do what they want but less obtrusively see and i i get frustrated when people say that physical media is going away because i don't believe that it is um i think that a lot of gamers myself included like to have their physical disc and they like the ability to display it and the ability to play it years from now without having to worry about the download option being gone. Um, additionally, with net neutrality being taken away, I think that that's actually not going to contribute to the the passing of of the physical uh, discs because now people have to use bandwidth and, and potentially, you know, we haven't really seen any changes yet, but potentially people will have to pay more money for streaming for downloading um, and, and whatnot. So I, I don't think that physical data is going away. Excuse me, physical disks. Additionally, if they really wanted to get rid of physical stuff, they would price digital stuff lower. There's no reason that you should pay $60 for a digital version of a game and also pay $60 for the physical version. The physical version should always be more expensive because you are paying for the packaging and you are paying for the disc that can be used between consoles. So it leads me to believe that we'll still see them for a while. I don't know if you want to counter that, but that's kind of my, my opinion on the issue. Um, I, think, I think a lot of places have been going that way, and I think they'll continue to make that push. Um, if there is one really good way to make the push of, you know, kind of nudge people 
in economic speak toward the uh, toward the decision you want them to make, um, offering convenience and low or at least lower prices is definitely the way to do it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know me, Mister Nice Guy. I'm more of a PC gamer rather than a uh, uh, rather than a console gamer. And yep, yep. Uh, we've pretty much with Steam, we've pretty much already been at a mostly digital. Um, only world for quite a while. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think that a lot of those games are available physically. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and it's probably. the same premise. It's the same premise as the Games Pass. You know, I I have Halo Five, and I do have it digital because it was sixteen bucks last week, so I wanted to get it for sixteen dollars. That's a great price. But it is available physically, and it is available as a part of the Xbox Game Pass. So, I mean, people who want to play it digital, like myself in this situation, can. It doesn't mean that it's not available physically. Um, but I get what you're saying with Steam, because Steam is a ba- it's a digital-only service. And you have your library of games on your PC, and it's super convenient when you want to switch between games. It's easy to see what your friends are doing, um, easy to hop in a game. So I get it. I totally get it. Uh, maybe I'm just old school and I need to just maybe I need to come to this new uh, new era of digital games. But mm, if I'm picking between a digital game and a physical game and the price is the same, I'm probably going to go physical 100 percent of the time, 99 percent of the time. OK, it's just my opinion. I see both sides. of the. I argument. certainly can't blame you, although this uh, whole conversation reminds me of a certain time where a young Mr. Nice Guy and a young Maction were standing in line outside of a hotel in Century City, California, waiting for a bus to arrive and shuttle them into downtown Los Angeles at the Staples Center for a uh, for an event, for an E3 event. Believe it or not, it's E3. And as those two young men were standing there waiting in line, they struck up some conversations with the people around them who turned out to be at various, you know, game industry affiliate people. And there was a guy who uh, came from Michigan, and he had several brick-and-mortar stores. I don't know if you remember this guy, Mr. I Nick. do. I, I do. vaguely do remember this. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, as we were talking, he had uh, he had mentioned that he had plan been planning for the past several years uh, his three-, four-year plan to get out of brick-and-mortar um, game stuff entirely, and that he already had his exit strategy. And this would have been back in 2012, if I recall properly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I really felt like, in a lot of ways, that uh, people deeply involved in brick and mortar stores had been looking for quite a few years as to how they could diversify or get out. So I mean, I just see this the yeah. grinding continually onward. I could play devil's advocate, but I, I think we'll keep it moving. Now, Max, speaking of E3, dude, how fun would it be to go to E3 this year? Well, I think it would be very enjoyable. Mr. Nice should, Guy, as should... long as I can go with you, it's definitely going to be fun. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. We'll talk, let's talk about it off stream. Um, cool. So, next news story comes from Eurogamer. And uh, PlayStation has announced an official shoe. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but let's read about it. It says, it's an exciting day to be a PlayStation fan. I'm going to hold up my PlayStation controller. Because I'm a PlayStation fan. I'm actually, I have all three, so I'm actually not. I'm not a fanboy. I love all consoles. Um, as well as a range of Amiibo-like figurines, Sony has also announced an official PlayStation shoe. Nike is making the colorful boot in collaboration with NBA All-Star Paul George. The shoe boasts light-up PlayStation symbols with not one but three settings off and on and pulsing. There's also a PSN voucher code on the heel of each pair. What does it unlock? Sony has not said. <laughs> they should say what it unlocks. Um, other features include a power button, PlayStation-colored eyelets, and a Zoom airbag to make your toes feel extra comfy. There's no price yet. The shoes are yet to go on sale. The footwear will be released worldwide, however. Uh, I read a little blog where Paul George, the NBA star who's involved in making this shoe... Welcome to the stream, you guys who are coming in. Love to have you here. Thank you so much for, for coming in and bringing the excitement. I read a blog where NBA star Paul George was talking about how he's always been a gamer and how he's always been a PlayStation gamer and how excited he is to be able to make his signature shoe 
uh, and have it tied in with the PlayStation theme. So, Mac, here's my question for you. If you could have any video game turned into a shoe that Mac would wear, what video game would it be? And you guys let us know in the chat what you would pick as well. Um, I think Super, I know what you're going to pick. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to pick Mega Man. I'm going to pick Super Metroid because I do really like the color scheme. And I think that uh, that Metroid would be just a little bit more... Uh, you know, I'd have a few more people commenting on uh, on Super Metroid, on Metroid-themed shoes. It's tough for me, but I feel like I would need to pick something 8-bit. You know what I mean? Um, man, it's such a tough... I think I'd have to go with, like, a Mario 3. Or maybe even a Kid Icarus. Because in Kid Icarus, aren't there some shoes that have, like, little wings on the side? And I think that would be a really cool shoe, to have some shoes with wings. They'd have to actually be able to enable me to fly in real life, though. Hmm. Just by the press of a button, just like these shoes light up, that's what I'd pick. Let us know in the chat what you guys would pick. Moving on from the sneakerhead story, let's see what else we got. We got actually a lot of news stories this week. Um, all right, let's talk about God of War, you guys, because this is actually pretty big news. This is probably the second biggest news story of the week. It says, Kratos' next adventure, the decidedly different take on the God of War franchise, is coming to PlayStation 4 on April 20th, Sony announced today. Uh, for those of you who don't follow PlayStation stuff, the debate about when this sh- game was going to be announced uh, has, been, has been going on for a while. So, it goes on to say, Sony Interactive Entertainment and God of War creative director Corey Barlog confirmed the game's release date alongside a new narrative-focused trailer. In that trailer posted above, we got a preview of the story of Kratos and his son, Altrius, as they embark on a new adventure set in the world of Norse myth. Guys, there's not much to debate discussing this, um, but we're just excited God of War is coming back. It's a big um, exclusive for Sony, and it may be the biggest exclusive that's coming out on, on PlayStation this year. Mac, just generally speaking, any games you're looking forward to in 2018? I know there's one um, that was a Kickstarter that you've been waiting for for a while, but is there anything else that you're excited for, anything else you'd be willing to get into? And then I'll share my thoughts on some games. Um, You know, I can't think of any currently. Um, Yeah, Mr. Nice Guy, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Now, Mac, there's a game coming out this Friday, the 26th, and it's a pretty amazing game. And I would say it's probably my second favorite franchise in all of gaming and it's a game called monster hunter world now i know that you're into co-op and i know that you are into what's up duddy welcome to the stream dude uh and i i know that you're into non-competitive as far as pvp are you into monsters though because if you are i feel like that would sway you in the direction of wanting to try this game and it does come out for pc you know mr nice guy i think i could be swayed I would say watch some video because it is a grind and it's a game that you it'll it'll take some time up you know what I mean like you could put a few hundred hours into this now I don't think I need to go back and tell the story of how Monster Hunter got me through some difficult times but suffice it to say Monster Hunter got me through some difficult times and uh, and anyone who who likes gameplay who likes grinding who likes fighting big monsters and who likes co-op team-based gameplay I would say try this game out um, and people in the chat are backing me up on that. So, let's keep it moving. Uh, and, and that's the main game that I'm looking forward to this Friday. Monster Hunter World. Super hyped for that. What other news stories do we got? We spend a lot of time talking about stuff, so we'll just do a couple more. Um, Overwatch, you guys. Uh, this one says, today, Bli-, and this is on uh, Kotaku. It says, today Blizzard dropped Overwatch's latest map. A literal carnival of Blizzard references. Quote, Blizzard World, unquote, is a theme park about Hearthstone, Starcraft, Worlds, excuse me, Heroes of the Storm, and Warcraft. Playing it feels a lot like being invited to a loud, garish party that you leave feeling just okay. And then the author kind of does a review of the map. Suffice it to say, guys, Overwatch is really filling our news feeds as far as gaming stuff with a lot of, uh, of, uh, noteworthy events. They just got that update with the new map. Overwatch League is really doing well. There was an Overwatch player who was banned from the league for uh, for making some homophobic slurs. You may have read about that. We're not going to get too much into it because I think we all agree that that's not okay. But Overwatch still popping a year and a half later. 
Glad to see that it's doing really well. Uh, And you know what? Let's end our news story right there. Mac, that's our news for the week. I'll turn it over to you, buddy. All right. Well, now we move on to the next little segment of the show. The segment that we like to call Gaming History. Now, I often try to look through those games that were released since we did the show last, but in years previously, and highlight just a couple that were really either really important to us, uh, made a big difference in our lives and such. And when the question is about releases, I tend to go for the U.S. release rather than the uh, Japanese release. I know there are some other people who do this sort of thing from time to time, um, and they tend to focus on like, ah, Metroid was released today in Japan. It's like, ah, but that didn't make as much of a difference to us. So that being said, I have a couple. Mr. Nice Guy. Yes, this sir. first one, I'm going to take a stroll down memory lane, and I hope you'll forgive me. It happens to be Resident Evil 2, released in 1998 for the PlayStation 1. Awesome, let's hear now, it. Now, did you, Mr. Nice Guy, play re- any of the Resident Evil series? Now, dude, I was at N64, oh, just in general? Yeah. There was one that I played on Xbox a little bit, man, but it's never been my thing. Like, I can never really get into Mm -hmm. it. And it's a great franchise. It's well made. It's just not for me. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And if you had asked Little Mac back in the day when he first played Resident Evil 2 if if the Resident Evil franchise was for him, he would have said no. As a matter of fact, to this day, the scary survival horror, the horror aspect of the uh of the resident evil games it's never really been a big thing for me i'm timid i get frightened so easily mr nice guy and resident evil 2 just did me in um at the sake of sounding repetitive i was only able to beat resident evil 2 because i had to do i had to like trick myself through sound and what that means is that in resident evil 2 if you enter a room and it's silent, there are, you know there are enemies about. But if there is music, that music, then you know, then the room is clear. Uh, so what? Like I, what, what kind of music are we talking? about? Well, the about, music like, in Resident Evil never was gonna give you up. No, or, no, or... It, it was it was atmospheric. It was creepy. Oh, and got it, was, it. I was confused. No worries. And it was it was just this this rough soundtrack to listen to. It was rough for me. It really grated on my nerves. So what I had to do was I had to enter a room and uh, and turn and unmute the television basically so that I could hear. Is it silent? In which case, let's shoot you know, some monsters, get ready to kill some monsters, or is there music? In which case, I would uh, mute the song, mute the television again and play some of my own music that was, you know, it was more my speed so that I could actually get through it. The only reason I made it through Resident Evil 2, and it took me darn near, I, I mean, from the first time I played it to when I finally beat it, at least three years, um... It was only Dang. because I had to go to special lengths, but precisely because it took so much effort and so much time in between, um, that's one of the reasons why Resident Evil 2 means so much to me. Often when I think about a game that's that's difficult or that I don't, you know, that I'm having trouble meshing with, sometimes I reflect on Resident Evil 2 and I think, you know, if I can beat that... If I can do that, I can I can do anything, you know? So Resident Evil 2, a, a special <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's kind of funny. As much as I love video games and as much as I see them as a legitimate art form, I, I'm sorry. I find it amusing that you said, if I can beat this game, I can do anything. Because, Mac, you've done some awesome things in your life, and, and they're all more cool than beating Resident Evil 2. But I'm glad that was the pinnacle of of uh, of I can do anything. That's yeah, that's no, cool, no, and I respect uh, that. Resident Evil Two. I I I I peaked. I'll never never get better than there. But there are those times where even that determination can't get me anywhere, and that is in the case of this next game, Legend of Dragoon, released in 2001 for the PlayStation. And 
this, I could never get through this game for a completely different reason. And no, it wasn't the fact that you had to get your timing right. It had quick time events in most battles. And then you had these short little cutscenes after you successfully did a quick time event. So you were like, oh my gosh, I have seen this short cutscene so many times. But the damage boost it gives me is so worth it. But in... Uh, in Legend of Dragoon, at the end of the first disc, at the changeover between discs, there is a cutscene. There's a, you know, it's a video. It's, you know, a video on the disc, and there was a scratch in that segment what? of the disc. Yes. So I was never able to get to the disc change spot. I knew that a disc change was coming up because I had... Uh, Let's see, at that time in my life, I think I had read something on a message board uh, because I was having trouble with a fight. Anyway, point being is that I knew that a disc change was coming up, but we got that skip. And uh, in that day and age, I didn't have the funds, I didn't have the capital to just go and buy a new, you know, buy a new copy of the game with a first disc that wasn't scratched. So for years and years, I just sat there unable to beat it and still to this day i have not i have not gone past where i where i had to stop on legend of dragoon so in spite of feeling like i could accomplish anything thanks to resident evil 2 there are still some hurdles that even i can't jump over dragoon but maybe someday with the glory of emulation so the third thing I want to talk about is not so much a specific game, but a sort of game-changing thing. Um, as you may know, in the early 1980s, we saw what we call the video game crash. Uh, it's really kind of pinned and hoisted on the Atari and the release of <clears throat> of E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which I believe was the first major motion picture licensed video game, which turned out to be a horrendous flop, Um, and uh, of course that's credited as being the precipitating event in the downfall of video gaming in the late, uh, in the late, er, sorry, in the early 1980s. Um, Naturally, video gaming more in the sense of consoles, uh, because it was still kind of going strong in the computer side, until of course Nintendo came onto the scene with the Nintendo Entertainment System, or Famicom, if you were uh, if you were over in Japan. But what, of course, Nintendo brought to the game there that changed things up and made a huge difference was the fact that Nintendo kept a lockdown on who could put out cartridges. You were only allowed to do so many games per year. You couldn't just make a bunch. You had, I believe it was either three or five um, games per year that you were permitted to make. So you had to make those your your five best games. Um, And of course, you know, had to pay Nintendo the money and they had lockout chips and all, all sorts of things. But I think the important thing to mention is that we trace the origins of really quality control uh, back to that uh, to that change that Nintendo made when they brought on the Nintendo Entertainment System, and it's something that stuck even into later uh, even into later game companies like uh, Sega, Sony, and Microsoft. Even though they didn't, you know, they didn't hold quite as tightly, uh, quite as tight of a grip. It's still something that uh, that we felt for many many years, and then we kind of had later on the indie game renaissance where we moved away from that and we had the ability through often digital distribution platforms for people to skirt around that and make their own games like our favorite one cave story right mr nice guy oh yes oh, yeah awesome game favorite indie and on that subject um did i mention a while back about cave story for the sega genesis no Tell me more. I've got it. It's fantastic. No way. Yeah. So who did this? Um, Someone ported it? Yeah, somebody ported it to Sega Genesis, and it's pretty darn good. I mean, a little bit of slowdown in some spaces, but that's just how it goes. But anyway, I will leave that there now for gaming history. Um, just a little bit of a look into the past and how that got us where we are. 
Fantastic. Now, Mac is straight up dropping knowledge. He he referred to the indie game renaissance. You guys aren't just getting entertainment. You're getting a history lesson here on Two Nerds in a Pod, episode number 57. Kudos to you, Mac. Golf clap. Excellent segment. Guys and girls, it's time for our next segment of the show, which is called the topic of the week, where we talk about something that's relevant in gaming today. And, uh, and we debate. Now, Mac, there's two options today as far as as far as what we can talk about. Now, I'm going to let you pick from the two without really divulging. One of them deals with cheating in video games. The other one deals with violence in video games. Violence. Of these always violence. A, always violence. Now, they Let's say violence about- is never the answer. That depends very much on the question. For example, if the question is what is overhyped about video games by mainstream uh, by by people who don't know things about video games, the answer violence. Hmm. Now, two nerds in a pod does not condone violence of any t- type, type, shape, form, or size. Do not do anything violent, and credit us for it. All right. On that note, guys, here's the news story. The topic of the week. It says new t- scientific study shows no evidence. Of video games causing violence and this is from comicbook.com it says gaming has always been a hot topic with the media and lately there have been a few traumatizing stories revolving acts it should say involving but it says revolving acts of violence many media outlets will paint it as video games are the problem and this witch hunt is nothing new for decades gaming has been the scapegoat for violent behavior and horrific events but now a new study is here to say that there is no definitive correlation between the two we all knew this guys we're all gamers but let's talk about it anyway i'm gonna skip down a little bit it says the overall gist of the study which can be found here <laughs> concludes that there is no evidence to support the video game medium inspires aggressive acts though we all get a little heated in online matches there is no actual evidence they keep saying the same thing over and over again regarding the nature of the testing Members of the study observed whether or not fighting realistic soldiers in a game translated to the desire to fight real persons in reality. On the flip side, they also tested the same behavior in-game in a more cartoonish environment to settle the ever-popular, quote, games are too realistic, unquote, argument when debating violent tendencies. Most studies concluded that there is no substantial evidence supporting the claim that games are the cause. Sometimes people are just bad. Mac, I think we all knew that video games are not the reason that uh, that people do violent things. We knew that music isn't the reason. We knew that there's other issues. So here's what I want to talk about. Why is it that video games are the scapegoat when there are so many other mediums that contain violence that people consume on a daily basis? Why video games? Video games, Mr. Nice Guy, because video games are kind of the easiest most obvious way to go right so uh for example dungeons and dragons right for a long period of time dungeons and dragons you would hear whispers well i mean you would hear whispers you would hear people loudly proclaiming that uh your playing of dungeons and dragons would make you go crazy like those one guys who stabbed each other playing dungeons and dragons i mean in spite of i don't pretty darn sure that that didn't actually happen but uh but playing dungeons and dragons would make you crazy blur the lines between fantasy and reality and you would wind up in a bad way uh or you know people would die that sort of thing um but of course you know we had dungeons and dragons kind of before we had video games it's just one of those things where it's like whatever is going on has to be bad like Good example, you read all those articles about uh, about millennials, right, Mr. Nice Guy? And how sure. millennials are ruining everything. Uh, yeah. How they can't... How they're, la- how they're lazy and they don't know how to work. How they're and how lazy and they don't know how to They work. expect to get social security. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, it is funny because on the one hand, you know how half of them are like, millennials uh, are lazy. And on the other hand, it's millennials are not are are single-handedly destroying an industry by not buying things, 
are like, millennials don't earn enough money, millennials don't spend enough money. It's like, you know, you see where the problem is, right? I mean, if one of those is true, the other one... Anyway, not important. The important thing is that all throughout time, Mr. Nice Guy, something that the younger group of people is doing... Like, it is the cause for all of the world's ills. And it's just the convenient thing that many people of our age group um, are the ones who we play it. And people younger than us play a lot of video games. So it's just the thing that is easy to latch onto and say, you kids these days and your video games. But believe it or not, Mr. Nice Guy, it was, it was at one point in time, you kids and your books these days. Uh, I do believe there are some very interesting arguments that were, you know, amusingly enough, written down about generations saying that uh, that reading, that writing things down was really just going to destroy the old, the oral traditions. The only thing that was keeping the worlds together were the oral traditions, but this writing, ah, it's going to destroy everything. Basically, Dude, there was a time when books were banned on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. There absolutely were. I mean, it's just, in a lot of ways, it's rage against the new thing. And video games, to a lot of people, is still the new thing, in spite of it very much being a fact of life for most of us. You know what's crazy about it is, and I'm not, I'm not here to say that I am extremely successful because I'm not but I mean I have a solid job and I have a family and I take care of them right and we're comfortable and I play video games and there are a lot of people like me you know what I mean the the stereotype of you know people who play video games you know live in their mom's basement and you know and they're fat and they're lazy, and, and you know, they just eat chips all day. It's just not true. You know, it's just not true. And there are many people who are like myself and Maxion who are responsible adults and who handle our business who also play video games as a hobby. You know what I mean? So I don't understand why it gets such a bad rap, uh, but I think that I could not summarize it any better than Mac did in his explanation, so I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, And that has been our topic of the week. Mac, back over to you, bud. All right. So as you guys know, here on Two Nerds in a Pod, we like to take a look through some of the crowdfunding endeavors that are going on. Oh, and when I say we, I mean Endeavors. I like to look at the crowdfunding endeavors. I like to present something video game related. I like to say what I think is great about it. And Mr. Nice Guy is always there, like a good friend, there to bring me back down to earth set my feet on solid ground, and say what's wrong with it. And then at the end, we talk about whether we think it should be kicked out of here, because it's garbage, or whether we think it should be kick-started. And we encourage those of you who are here with us in the chat to put in your deliberation as well, whether you think it should be kicked out of here or kick-started. So, now, in my defense, uh-huh. you had an awesome one last week, oh, and thanks. I did not have anything bad to say. Oh, no, there was nothing bad to say about it. So, this one is called The Seashore. It is being developed for, for, for the Nintendo Switch, as well as for the PC. And this is not without sin. However, I do like a few things about it. Number one, it is an RPG-style game. It's got, it claims to have some Metroidvania elements, although I don't really see much of that going on in the, uh, in the demo video that they posted up. But what's really cool about it is that the number of players, two to four, minimum of two, because what you have is you have two characters, each with their own strengths and weaknesses, and from the way that it's presented, it's possible theoretically to beat the game with just one character but it would be insanely hard maybe impossible to get through certain obstacles or bosses without the counterpart so you are meant to play as a team uh, supplementing each other's strengths and weaknesses in order to play through and defeat it um, the uh, their 
planning on releasing something with 8 to 16 hours worth of gameplay. It's got some lovely pixels. It's got some good looking, uh, some good looking uh, graphics for pixels, of course, and some nice music. Uh, with upgrades, they of course, um, they, they of course are designing it with Nintendo Switch in mind, and kind of PC is sort of an afterthought. They have said that they'll do PS4 and Xbox if they have stretch, if the stretch goals are met, but they're really going for for that sort of a thing. It is set in a fantasy post-apocalyptic. Um, which, uh, which seems kind of cool. I, I don't, I don't see many fantasy post-apocalyptics, but the music's nice. The graphics look all right for what they are. So let's talk about though, a couple of things that don't sit so well with me in it. it let's hear it. Cause you're going to beat me to it. Um, if you look at the URL for that, which I posted in the chat so that anybody could take a look. It's uh, the seashore for Nintendo Switch. You know, the usual stuff at the front, and then for Nintendo Switch, dash zero. Well, that usually, the dash, an additional thing, usually means that there was an earlier one, and sure enough, a while back, they tried to release the exact same thing, um, and it was unsuccessful. And this was uh, about six months ago or so. Um, no. Uns- unsuccessful, meaning it didn't get funded? That's correct. It didn't get okay. funded. Now, this one looks to be a lot more, you know, a lot more, uh, a lot closer to getting funded. And when they tried to fund it, you know, back several several months back, um, they were asking for $10,000 to complete it, which sounds very much uh, more reasonable than what the current asking for such an endeavor is, which is something more like, hang on, what is it, sixteen hundred or so? They're they're asking for three thousand. Three thousand. Sorry, my bad. Um, but in the course of uh, in the course of their their thing, they gave one of in the old one, they gave a, a breakdown um, of what this was going to cost and where the fee things were going to go. And thirty percent of the ten thousand dollars was going to go to fees. That's what they had, you know, what they had done. And at that time, they were planning on merely doing um, a Switch release with stretch goals for, you know, for other platforms. Now, if we com- if we contrast that to what their uh, what their breakdown is, um, they're putting as fees at ten percent of the three thousand. Now, I'm not aware of where the current fees structure is for publishing a game on the Nintendo Switch, but I can't imagine that it's gone down that considerably. That it's no, gone no down way. so considerably that whereas before they thought we need $3,000 just to pay the fees to get this on the Switch as well as Kickstarter, that uh, that it's changed sufficiently that they can say that uh, that only um, what what's 10% of 3,000's what? Three hundred, yeah. Uh, that only three hundred dollars is what's going to be needed for the uh, for Kickstarter and you know and that. So I feel like this is one of those cases where I I like the idea. Um, it is a bit of a risk on account that they haven't really got anything that they've produced before, um, and they've done this thing where they've put the project back out there. And scaled it back in such a way that they're like, you know, if we can hit this goal. And there is no doubt that once a Kickstarter hits its fully funding goal, it is easier for people to pledge their money because they feel more confident in a project actually going through to completion. Even though there's this big part of me that's like, that's kind of silly because you'll get your money right back if it doesn't get get funded. So, I mean, you don't even get charged if it doesn't get fully funded. So, I mean, there is no risk. There is no problem until then. But, you know, that's how humans are. Humans think like that. They think, oh, it's fully funded. It's definitely going to happen. I'll throw my money in there. So, anyway, that's just one. But, Mr. Nice Guy, I don't want to take any more ammunition away from you. Please, please. Give us what you think. There are words that are misspelled on the Kickstarter, Mac. No, I'm not that much of a jerk. Although they misspelled inspiration. Um, and they spelled it with A's instead of I's. So that to me... I don't know, man. I, I clicked on the profile. And it looks like this studio was created in 2016. 
One thing that I like to see when I'm looking at a video game Kickstarter, I like to see what the individuals involved have done before. Uh, that's not to say that someone can't put out a first game on Kickstarter and have it be good, but generally, if I'm going to even consider giving money, I want someone who has put out a game before. Uh, here's the other thing. I feel like they are vastly underestimating the costs of what it takes to make a game, just like you said. Um, there, there's no way that they can do this for $3,000 unless the game is already completed and they just need it to, to submit to Nintendo so they can get on there. Um, I, ah, I just feel like they haven't planned ahead, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when I first watched the, the video just now, I thought, oh wow, this is a really cool idea. It looks a little bit like Cave Story with updated graphics. Um, I like Metroidvania games. I like these little indie games. But it just, I don't know, Mac, it just seems like they haven't thought everything through. Uh, and, and I hate when people ask for money on a Kickstarter and haven't considered all of the, the costs and left themselves a little bit of wiggle room for the unexpected costs that are going to come up. So even if this gets funded, which it looks like it will, I don't think that the game is going to be completed. Now, Mac, here's a question for you. I noticed they have 66 days, excuse me, 49 days to go on their Kickstarter. I thought Kickstarter is only allowed for 30 days. Uh, no, you can do, I, I'm not sure how many things. I know that I see primarily 30 days and 60 days. Those are the big ones. Although I, uh, you might potentially be able to do it even longer on Kickstarter, but I think 30 or 60 are what they permit for on Kickstarter currently. But then again, I've just interacted with a lot of Kickstarter campaigns. I've never tried to do one myself. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, Mr. Nice Guy, we know how it goes. I have something that's more important to me than anything else. More important to me than how much you're asking or where your breakdown is. Uh, It's that sign that you know how to take all of the different bits and bobs that go into a video game and, and put it together. That you can show that you can actually make a viable product. And I like to call it the playable demo. The playable demo. And unfortunately, I don't see a playable demo. A playable demo. So, as much as I feel like I, I, I like what they're doing, but I feel like they're being unrealistic. It looks like um, they've changed up the campaign, but they haven't. But they've just dropped the uh, overall goal so that they can try and hit that funding mark and have that success of being funded even if the 3000 isn't exactly going to pay for that. And I wish them well. I would certainly enjoy playing something like this. So much so that if it had a playable demo, I'd absolutely give it a, give it a ro- roll, and that might make me feel differently. It might make me feel like they really can deliver on something. But just pre-rendered assets and pre-rendered uh, uh, things for your Kickstarter video are not sufficient. I need, I need something to try out. And so, because of that, Mr. Nice Guy, for all these reasons and more, I say that I'm going to have to kick this one out of here. So, Mac, at this point, all the... Oh, just turned on my PlayStation. At this point, all the people in the chat get to vote, right? Mm-hmm, that's Did right. Did we explain that? Okay. I mentioned, so I mentioned a little bit before, but yes, please, everybody, give us what you think. Mention in the chat whether or not you think this should be kicked out of here or whether it should be kickstarted. You go ahead. No judgments on our part if you like it. Now, I yeah, man, for the reasons we listed and the fact that it seems like not enough planning has it come uh, in place for this, also the fact you mentioned that they have tried this before and didn't succeed, so they dropped the price, that leads me to believe that they know the game is going to cost more, but they're asking for less so that they can just get it kickstarted. That's a kick to me. I think we need to kick this just like the Patriots are going to get kicked out of the Super Bowl on February 4th. As a sports ball expert, I can confirm that that is what is going to happen. That's right. That's what we have our fingers crossed for. And it seems like people in the chat seem to agree uh, that this is not something that should be funded, Max. So. Mm-hmm. So I think we're on point there. Should we move on to our next segment of the show? Absolutely. Your favorite, my favorite, everybody's favorite. Everybody's favorite, except for Pazzi. He really likes your last segment that you end the show with. And I do too. It's fantastic. But now, boys and girls, 
it's time for a segment called the Dummy of the Week. Week, week, week. A segment of the show where I talk about somebody who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb, and then we make fun of them. Now, this week's news story comes from EveningSun.com. It says, a Hamilton Band Township man and a Carroll Valley Borough man both had charges filed against them and warrants out for their arrest after they allegedly beat up a man for a PlayStation 4. Now, you guys know I'm not a fan of the word allegedly. Let's continue. This is actually a little bit, a few weeks old. It says, on December 12th, at about 9.30 p.m., police were dispatched to the 2200 block of Mount Hope Road, Hamilton Band Township, for a report of a robbery, according to an affidavit filed with the district judge, Mark Beauchat. Police arrived and spoke with the victim, Jacob Daywalt, who said that Seth Logan Doxy, 22, of Hamilton Band Township, they've already made it clear that that's the township, they don't need to say that anymore, agreed to pay him $250 for a PlayStation 4. Daywalt told police that he was in his front yard. Now here's the, the main thing that, that is a problem. If you're going to sell something to someone, don't meet him in your front yard. Just meet him in a public place. There's no reason to let them know where you live, because what if you live in a really nice house? They're just going to come back and steal from you later. The story goes on to say, (laughs) so they're in the front yard. It says, when Doxy arrived with four other people in a black Ford Mustang, the affidavit states. Now, that's red flag number one. Anytime a black Mustang pulls up with four people in it, you know that people are doing something they're not supposed to do. Because Mustangs are not that big. It's not a comfortable ride for four people. It's just a quick getaway for four people. That should have been red flag number one. Red flag number two, who brings their three friends to buy a PlayStation with them? I could understand if you're going to buy a car that's used and you want to bring a mechanic with you to make sure the engine runs, but not a PlayStation. I would just go buy a PlayStation by myself. Let's see what else the news story says. It says, once Doxy knew that Daywalt had the PlayStation 4, he allegedly punched Daywalt repeatedly in the mouth, arms, and body. Repeatedly. Like Mike Tyson's punch out. It says Jonathan Taylor Stambaugh, 21, of Carroll Valley Borough, allegedly got out of the Mustang with a baseball bat and hit Daywalt twice in the ribs, police said of the affidavit. Now, here's the thing. If you're in a fight that's four on one and you're part of the four, there is no excuse for using a baseball bat. It's just unsporting. It's just a a Mac with the puns, yeah. You're just straight batty if you do something like that. The, The puns keep coming, you guys. Um... That should be your third strike if you do something like that. Um, That's crazy. So it goes on to say they hit him twice in the ribs. Wow. Daywald also told police officers that three more people got out of the Mustang and began to punch him in his arms and body. He He said they then took the PlayStation 4 and fled, the affidavit states. He also told police that he could identify three of the five people because, wait for it, wait for it, He knew them. Now, maybe this is a small town. And I would never steal. But if one of my friends said, hey, I'm going to go meet someone who's selling a PlayStation. And why don't you come help me rob them? I'd be like, what's the address? And then they told me, I'd be like, nope, you know what? That's the address of someone who I know. And they are going to recognize me if we do this. That's a terrible idea. What was he saying while they were punching him? Like, hey, stop it, Steven. Stop it, Steven. I was just at your house for dinner yesterday. Please stop punching me. This is ridiculous, Mac. Um, What does the news story end with? I don't even know if I need to read the end. Uh, Bottom line, guys, this is our dummy of the week. Don't steal, but if you are going to steal, follow the simple rules of common sense so you don't get caught. That's it, Mac. I'll turn it back over to you, bud. All right. Well, we like to end things off at least formally end things off with a little segment that we call Legalese. Legalese. And in this, sometimes we like to talk about current lawsuits that are going on right now or historical ones that have shaped, you know, the way that we game. And Mr. Nice Guy, this one is near and dear to our hearts. As you know, Mr. Nice Guy, what is the greatest board game of all time? Just say it from your heart. What comes from your heart, Mr. Nice Guy? <laughs> That's such a tough question. Monopoly? No, are you kidding? That's the worst. No, from your heart, Mr. Nice Guy. Not from anybody he- else's. Heroscape? Oh, oh, what was that? 
Heroescape. Heroescape. I thought it was Hero Quest. Heroescape. Heroescape. That's your favorite pick. It's a great game. But what about Hero Quest? Hero Quest is a close second. Is a close second? Okay. See, thank goodness, because I was I was just ready to say that I don't even know who I'm who I'm dealing with here. I don't even know you anymore if Hero Quest isn't right up there at the top. So friendship saved. Friendship saved. So Perfect. Hero Quest. Fantastic board game. Quest for Glory. A fantastic video game. As a matter of fact, I consider Quest for the Quest for Glory series to be a almost defining video game series. It has, in some ways, defined some aspects of my life. And uh, we'll go more into that the next time we do a gaming history, and I've got one of the Quest for Glory uh, games. But did you know, Mr. Nice Guy, that Quest for Glory used to be known as Heroes Quest? I did, because we talked about this once on the show before. We did, and I want to go in just a little bit more depth for the Legalese segment. So, Heroes Quest 1 and Heroes Quest 2 were published. However, for whatever reason, Sierra and uh, their, you know, and, and their, their group um, did not secure the, uh, did not secure the, uh, the trademark to the name uh, Heroes Quest. And so, when Milton Bradley secured the trademark for a Hero Quest game, um, based Uh-oh. on the board game, but to be played on, uh, on video game consoles, there was a problem. And so, uh, while the details are kind of scarce, because the, the documentation that I was able to find um, basically was limited to this sort of you know, magazine page article that just said, hey, um, because somebody else had this uh, and to prevent confusion, we've decided to rename the Heroes Quest series as the Quest for Glory instead. Same great game, different name, but don't you worry. Um, but, uh, But yeah, so our two favorites, Mr. Nice Guy, Hero Quest and Heroes Quest were locked in trademark deadlock for a period of time until Sierra changed the name from Heroes Quest to Quest for Glory. And so I always knew the series as Quest for Glory. It was news to me. I mean, and it, and it hasn't always been news. I've known it for a little while. But uh, I was shocked to discover that Heroes, there that Quest for Glory was once Heroes Quest and that your favorite um, hero, or that your favorite Hero Quest board game is the very reason why I came to know it as Quest for Glory. But, uh, but anyway, nothing too crazy, but it's, it's kind of fun sometimes when you look back and you see that two game properties, two intellectual properties that we each love in our separately had that kind of an influence on each other. And sure, maybe it was because of a legal battle, but who cares? All we know is that they are where they are today because of each other. And They should come up with... Go ahead. No, no, and that's that's the important lesson. They should come up with a law that if the name of your intellectual property is not that unique, that you can't sue over it. You know what I mean? Or be sued over it. Because Heroes Quest, heroes go on quests, right? True. That's not that unique. You know what I mean? It's not like, I'm trying to think of a company that has a unique name. And they do uh, kind of have that in genericide. Um, your trademark, you know, you might not be able to trademark something because it's so generic, or you right. might lose the trademark because it is too generic to be held. If it's synonymous with the act or with the product, then, you know, then it can't continue to be trademarked. Although I don't, I can't really think of any. I can't really think of any recent uh, recent trademarks that have been lost to gen- genericide. But they do kind of have that, although I definitely agree with you. There are a lot of ways. I mean, I feel like there are trademarks and patents that are given out that definitely shouldn't be given out. Yeah, just be just silly. Yeah, just for that same reason. Good stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this has been episode number 57 of Two Nerds in a Pod. 
We're 57% of the way to 100 episodes, and we're not done yet. We got one more segment we like to do before we go. Uh, It's called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about just that, what we've been watching and what we've been playing, and you let us know in the chat the things that you have been watching and playing, because we're always looking for cool, nerdy stuff to hop into. Mac, you want to lead us off? Sure. Um, What I've been playing has been a game for the Nintendo Entertainment System called Strider. In the most recent Games Done Quick marathon, they did a speedrunning tutorial where they essentially taught somebody how to speedrun this game, Strider. It took him 30 minutes to teach him how to do it, and then he did it in 8 minutes after having gotten lost a couple of times. Um, Strider has some issues, but it's not the worst game I've ever played. Um, I'm not speedrunning it, of course, because I'm no speedrunner, but but it has been enjoyable to kind of play that Nintendo game. Uh, As for what I've been watching, Mrs. The Mac and I have, at the recommendation of a friend, been watching a series called The Magicians. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of love and hate that series. I hate it because it is kind of stupid and tropey a lot of the times, but then out of nowhere, it'll do an episode that turns out pretty darn good. Like, for example, we all know that those there are those episodes that are really stupid where it was all a dream and the person was trapped in a, you know, in their own brain and blah, 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 and those always suck. For some strange reason, the magicians actually pulled off a pretty reasonable one. Um, probably one of the best I've seen. Uh, but then at the same time, they just, so many normal episodes, and you're like, oh my gosh, please, could you stop already? So, I oscillate back and forth quite a bit on that show. Cool, how many seasons are there? Um, I think there, I think there are two on Netflix, and there might be a third one. I know that the book series, because it's based off of a book, and uh, the book series is a trilogy. Oh, and another thing. You do not get to call it an original series if it came from a book. The Magicians is not a sci-fi original series. You took it from a book. Here's the thing, though. What's your definition of an original series? Because Netflix is known for re-airing shows that are on other networks or that came from other networks. So I feel like when they create something, quote-unquote, create something new and it's exclusive to their platform, that that's what they mean by original series. And House I, of Cards. And I, I have to put my foot down and I say, if it is not original programming, we can let Stranger Things, that can be a Netflix original, because even though it's got lots of homages and lots of interesting things, you know what it isn't? It isn't a book that you turned into a television series. It isn't a manga that you turned into a series. It's none of those. It is an original work. This is its first iteration. Um, and while some ideas might be similar to other things, it is unique in that sense. But you don't get to call it an original if it comes from a book, if it comes from a thing. The Matrix, you don't get to call that an original. I know they didn't call it an original, they just implied it. But, yeah, no, I am not, you know, you make something from a comic book, even if it's your own spin, it doesn't get to be an original. The Tick does not get to be an Amazon original. That's just my hot take. I mean, sure, it can be an exclusive. Go ahead, call it a sci-fi exclusive, a sci-fi original. Call it whatever you want. But just don't say it's a our thing original series because it's not. So, sorry. I feel you. I feel you, Mac. I see what you're putting down. I get it. Well, guys, for me, what have I been watching? I've been watching Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm really into that show right now. Mac, did you give up on that show? I did. Okay, fantastic. Uh, well, but the, the current season, I think, is pretty solid. Uh, so I, I really am enjoying it. I think that they've bounced back from some mediocrity, and, uh, and I'm, I'm really feeling it. That's pretty much all I've been watching other than some stand-up. Uh, and then as far as what I've been playing, I've really been playing a lot of Fortnite. I just got Halo 5. I was late to the party on the Xbox One, uh, so I, I picked up Halo 5 recently, and I'm really, really enjoying it. Also playing that PUBG player unknown battlegrounds. 
on uh, the Xbox One, and I think I already said Fortnite on both consoles, PS4 and on Xbox. Oh, and of course, I've been playing a lot of ARMS on the Nintendo Switch, because my kids love that game, uh, and I, I really am bored of it, but uh, I love my kids, so I keep playing it. That's what I've been watching and what I've been playing. Mac, we got some people in the chat who want us to know what we should check out. Do you want to read that for us? Indeed, we should avoid Bright on Netflix. It was apparently bad. The Grand Tour Season 2 is good. Also, um, The Grand Tour Season 2, I know that in Season 2 they go through an area where I have actually um, ridden as a family motorcycle trip, uh, ridden every year for years. But uh, but I'll just leave that uh, leave that there. Um, let's see some Star Trek Discovery, uh, Final Fantasy. Oh oh yeah, playing some Final Fantasy seven or sorry Final Fantasy six. Um, let's see rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, playing some Near Automata, some Persona five, Dragon Ball Z Fighter Beta, and. Uh, and yeah, that looks like the general gist of it. Good stuff, Mr. Nice Guy and, all, and I always like to hear what you guys are watching and playing so that when we're done with what we're on, we've got some we've got some leads. And we appreciate you sharing those with us. We appreciate y'all. Guys, just as a side note, I'm going to hop on at my channel and stream right after this. So if you guys want the party to continue, feel free to come over to twitch.tv backslash MrNiceGuy425. I'm going to stream some Fortnite over there. Mac, I say we wrap it up, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you guys and girls for tuning in. This has been episode 57 of Two Nerds in a Pod. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on social medias. Uh, leave us a rating if you had fun. And we'll be back next week here. Same bat place. Same bat time, same bat rhymes. Keep it nerdy. Deuces. <laughs>